0: In this episode, David and John get to chat with Nick Lippitz, the co-founder and co-chairman of Onug. Heads in the Cloud, with your host, David Portnowitz, Graham Potter, and John Roth. Hi, welcome to today's episode of Heads in the Cloud. I'm David with
1: and I'm John Rawlings.
0: And today we are joined by a very special guest, Nick Lippis, who is the co-founder and co-chairman of Nug. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh God, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Um, thank you guys.
0: And Nick, you're coming to us from Cape Cod, the Cape Cod area, Massachusetts, beautiful area
2: i am yeah it's a, it's a, not such a beautiful day today but it's a it's a, a special <laughs> little spot you know uh, it's a, it's a nice area did you
0: lose power during the tropical storm that came through A couple you No, know, we
2: didn't ago. you know actually we didn't uh, it didn't hit us you know um we, we did a lot of prep you know but it was more inland so uh we got we went unscathed
0: my wife's family is all lives up in the in that area and i've been up there several times it's beautiful up there
1: Hmm. is this where you're is this where your? was it one of your family members that actually lost power but it really was a uh, yeah my my distort?
0: a family member of mine lost power it was in connecticut for like a week and okay
1: and it, it wasn't uh, even a
0: down power line it was like they had a fuse that was blown and no one told them so that was wow. a weird coincidence anyways so nick i digress uh, welcome to the pod we really appreciate you giving us some time today Let's start by, if you want to tell us, tell us what Onug is. Where the idea come from? What do you, What do you guys do? I was reading up all about it um, ahead of time and watching some of the. Material and reading, and, and it's really fascinating. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, no, great. Thanks. Um, and again, uh, thanks for you know um, for hosting me, you know um, you know on this podcast. Um, so Onug was started uh, back actually in um, 2012. Um, it was myself and a gentleman named Ernest Leffner. Uh, Ernest was at Fidelity at the time, and um, and if you look at this kind of period that we're all in. It's very similar uh, to like the late 80s, early 90s. Um, And and what I mean by that is that there's just a huge amount of choice options and really fundamental change around how we do computing, um, you know, for for business. Um, You know, at that time, there was, you know, we were kind of moving away from kind of IBM and SNA and then into you know, kind of all these different protocols and then the internet popped up and all these different LAN stuff. So there was no place really for IT executives to go to share best practices challenges what's blowing up you know what's uh what's working so Ernest, um you know asked why don't we uh, put together a meeting and uh, and and see you know who comes uh, who comes and and you know and see if we can you know all work together and and if we're comfortable to share and if our corporate communications groups don't uh squash this so uh anyway so uh, Ernest hosted the first ONU, uh at fidelity it was in february in boston uh, like great Sounds time cold. right you know yeah. um, and uh, it was a day one day and so um, you know we we just basically put you know um, kind of invitation out uh, up on uh, up on our website and then you know we had about 150 people that showed up oh, uh, wow. so, so that you know so that kind of like told us yeah you know this is um, this is something that the community really wants and that they were open they were able to share with each other obviously they're not sharing proprietary information about um, how all the banks work. And that was the beginning of it. We kind of operated at the intersection between financial services and high-tech. Um, that was the emphasis or the uh the beginnings part of ONUG, and uh and all the IT folks within the banks were actually open to share. Um, you know, obviously not proprietary stuff, but they were open open to share. And that's that launched ONUG. And um and then shortly after that, we started to um, add more board members like JP Morgan Chase came on, Citigroup, Credit Suisse, Pfizer, FedEx, wow. um, oh, uh, Gap, uh, well, actually Gap was a founding member, um, you know, of Onuk. So we started to really, you know, add a lot of other uh, industry sectors uh, along the way. So I think that that was kind of the, the beginning parts, you know, of it. And we really do. um, We're kind of a mirror of really what the market really wants like what it executives want. Um, We don't kind of champion technologies. um, And the things that we talk about are are the things that are important to the community. Um, And so now uh, I think we can uh, realistically, you know, say that this is the community of the global 2000 the last meeting we had. Um, In the spring, there was about 2,200 people, 1,000 companies, 34 countries, you know, represented, you know, so, um, yeah, so it was, you know, and it feels really good. And I think the focus now is, uh, really, this is becoming like the enterprise cloud community. So how do we adopt cloud technologies, both internally, you know, privately and publicly? Um, And, but that's really not the end point. Really, I think what the end point is is that there's so much activity and interest and trying to figure out how do we do AI overlays uh, on top of business process. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, AI tools that are uh, a lot of them are in the cloud, uh, right? You know, and so so anyway, you have to become a you know a kind of a, a cloud enterprise first in order for you to really take advantage of you know, uh, AI overlays. So anyway, sorry to go on and on about that, but that's no,
0: no, I mean, it's amazing. I didn't, you know, you've got this group of over 2000, you know, whatever you said, 2000 companies, you know, representing all these countries all over the world. And I think it really just shows the interest And, um, you know, you're talking a lot about digital transformation, right? I mean, that's sort of the, the essence of what you're getting at. And obviously that has been incredibly accelerated by COVID. Mm. Um, yeah. you know we have seen that in our business and 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 in talking to others in our industry they have seen that as well we you know we, we do talk to as much as you know we compete with the others we do talk to them as well yeah. um and you know how or what what had been the reaction in your community to covid and what 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 is the consensus or what, where, where where do people where's their mindset at right now you know kind of like you know if you can talk a little bit about that that'd be fascinating
2: Yeah, I think the first the knee jerk reaction was to uh, immediately scale and build that remote workforce. Right. So I think if we if we step back for a second, digital transformation projects have been all about how do you give um, customers, uh, partners and suppliers a digital experience? Mm -hmm. What COVID did is that it basically made now you have to give employees a digital digital experience. So it's like your brand is surrounded by kind of digital. And so, um, so the first thing was, okay, how do we kind of get our employees, you know, to be all digital. And so, uh, the ramp up was on remote workforce. Um, so a huge amount of build out of kind of remote access, you know, a lot of VPN activity was, was being done. A lot of the cloud consumption. If you are already on the path, um, for, towards, you know, kind of moving your business, you know, or it really it was, I sorry, no, like, you know, there's so many um, kind of thoughts that I'm having. At no, site. no, no, it's great. Hard to prioritize. Um, but if you kind of look at um, before COVID, um, cloud was really viewed as a way to do operational efficiency um, and to maybe save some money or get some agile uh, agility into your business. The fundamental thing that's happened now is that it's become a business platform. I think Mm -hmm. every corporation uh, within the ONU community realizes now that it's not not a cost-saving thing. It's not just agility, it's a survival. Um, It has disaster planning uh, attributes into it, business continuity attributes into it, the scaling up and the scaling down. So trying to find that balance right now is really key. So the neat trick reaction, David, was um let's build out and get our employees connected so they can work remotely um and then we'll figure out okay, how do we make them productive and how do they how do we preserve our culture and um and how do we you know continue to do operations like all remotely and various different companies are still figuring uh, all that out, but I think the big thing um is really a shift in thinking at very senior levels, executive levels you know on down that. Um, that this enterprise cloud is not just about, you know, how to do IT at less cost. It's really mm-hmm. how to do my business,
1: you know, now. But you have uh, basically probably set some standards out there that are followed throughout the world mm-hmm. based on the group that you have. You've got some, you know, constituents that you work with that basically have, have picked up some of the standards that you guys probably have seen this worked well. And uh, you've had a lot of influence over that, I would think.
2: Yeah, I, you know, um, you know, John, that's a great question, because we're not a standards organization. What we really try to do is, is we give um, voice and audience to like companies that do uh, that show uh, the way forward. right? And that kind of and so that others like well, one thing about ONU, it's a real peer permission structure and where uh, executives learn best from their peers versus from. Um, you know uh, the vendor community or from analysts, which are which are you know good uh, business partners. But you really were not learn better, you know, and you'll you'll really take action when you learn it uh, from your peers. So a more
0: practicality in learning from the peers too. Like the use yeah. cases are so similar, and it's just you can you can automatically, You know, they're speaking the same language, and there's a lot of like, oh, I I could see that how that translates to our business right away. Sorry to cut you well, off. They're but so I engaged.
1: Learning. I, I yeah. think they're so engaged, and they understand. And we're talking to. Someone that does, you know, the same thing that you do, that talking about your members. It yeah. seems like that makes perfect sense, as opposed to mm-hmm. someone coming very high level, coming down to your, coming down to one of their, uh, you know, down to that that, that C- 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 T level or the I T level, and really not understanding, you know, that whole process what has to take place. So they probably have looked to look to you guys and go, "This is the way we need to go." And mm-hmm. yeah, pr- proof of concept.
2: Yeah, I think I think so, John. You know, um we've been really so fortunate to have so many really great executives uh, present, you know, um, you know, over the years and um that show what they're doing, uh, warts and all, you know, uh what's working, what's not working. Like Chris Drumgull, you know, as an example. Um, um Chris just moved actually over to DXC. He was the CIO at GE. And so you know, Chris was basically saying, listen, we did two steps into the cloud and three steps back, you know, yeah. and, um, mm-hmm. and, and he explained why, you know, and so, um, you know, so there's this, and um, Intuit is another great example, Intuit did all in, you know, and um, there was a big fanfare, you know, about that. Um, then, you know, about 18 months ago, um, they said, well, being all in with one uh, cloud provider is not healthy. you know um you really need a multi-cloud approach and uh and now they're talking about how they're struggling to to deal with that and i think it's things like that those insights that really provide a lot of really you know helpful useful information that you know that community members get but i think probably the the two biggest contributions that we've made is one um, we we did define in uh, in not invent but define gave permission to um, you know um, provided the proof points for companies to start to move away from how they connected their offices together. So the whole software defined wide area networking was really um, the genesis of that was at Onu, and we're really proud of that because like now that's like you know over a five billion dollar market. It it helped so much to so many companies. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, well, obviously during COVID, as they scale up, and still is, you know, today. So we feel really good about that. We also feel good that uh, it was back at Columbia University that uh, I think it was the first time that the industry started talking about hybrid and multi-cloud, and so uh, and that was in 2014. Mm-hmm. And so we started to talk about that uh, early on, um, and so we feel really great that we can. You know, have these ideas um, that uh, that go out there in the marketplace, and then they get seeded. And then what happens is that a lot of the members then start talking to like the vendor community about them and around requirements. And then we start to see um, solutions pop up. Like out of that um, out of that meeting that we had at Columbia, you know, now we have um, IBM Private Cloud, and we have uh, Azure Arc, and we have Outpost, and just a whole bunch of cloud. Um, Uh, um, you know hybrid cloud solutions to the marketplace and then the and the key thing that we're focused on right now is um, automating cloud uh, governance so um, you know you think about it you have a a company that might have 30,000 accounts you know across n number of different cloud providers Um, and those accounts are you know, in business units, you know, scattered all over your organization. How do you keep track of that? And if you can't govern that, you know, which is really the control of that information, that data, then you really can't, you know, manage it. So now um, there's a lot of focus on, um, on uh, automating cloud governance. And so we're working with, that actually initiative was launched by uh, Raytheon Technologies, um, FedEx, uh, and Cigna. Um and we created called the ONU collaborative, and now uh, all the cloud providers have been invited to participate in that. So we actually have now definitions of all of the security notifications that come in from the various different cloud providers, they're all different. So uh, now can we actually make them consistent uh and then put a code to it? Uh then if it's a code, then we can program to it. So the best example could be is that, you know, uh Oh, um, I'm not, I hope this analogy is uh, appropriate, um, you know, but it's like a, a police officer has some incident, you know, uh, in the field. Um, okay, it's a code four. And yeah. so that's understood universally all across, you know, um, you know, well, uh, enforcement. And yeah, they know what to at do. these
0: levels. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so the same thing with the cloud providers, like, you know, it's like all of them provide the same information, but it's worded differently and it's not coded. So if it can be coded, um, then you can actually uh, automate how you respond to that. And that's, that's the work that we're focused on now.
0: Yeah. The governance side is so interesting because, you know, I can think of, you know, from, you know, our example here with our company is so uh is, you know, I look at the marketing department and, you know, we're, we're 200, you know, 300 person company or whatever the case is. And, you know, you can tell that there's, we're using technology that is not being used company-wide that other parts of the company are probably using. And, you know, if, if we knew that, then maybe we, we'd be better if we just bought one account, you know, for the, but like, you know, there's, there it's so disparate across the organization yeah. that, you, you know, I, I know that, you know, I'll get an email. Well, like, we'll we use you I use We use Dropbox in in marketing. Several of us, and then I'll get an email from Dropbox that's like, 25 members of your organization are using Dropbox. You should really be like buying a corporate account, right? And so, yeah. But you know, we don't because like, you know, I've got we're using one in marketing and maybe in finance they're using. So, but yeah, that governance of that is is, is and then if you multiply that, if you're looking at a company that's 20,000 employees as opposed to 300 employees I mean you you, you could you, and then and then and then when everyone's working remote and they've got their computer at their house on their own network and they can download whatever they want and you know you're not you don't have it's not a virtual desktop so it's not government you know so you don't have like that's the trick VDI or something like that that's protecting it I mean, you just disguise the, the limit on what you can or what's going to be on someone's computer and yeah I mean with with, with everything being pushed to the cloud and with you know, how easy it is to download and try to start a trial. I mean, I could see how that could just explode very quickly in a large company.
2: Yeah. It's what well, it, it has it's exploded, you know, systemically. And uh, yeah. And um, and I think the whole governance piece is really important because like, you know, all, um, you know, what we've been able to measure is like well over 70%, like seven zero percent of digital transformation projects fail because of governance. lack of control of information and data um so um so it's an important topic and especially now as you know and david you pegged it right you know it's like now you know it's like the kind of the surface, you know, um, blast area, you know, has expanded, you know, exponentially now with everyone kind of working remotely. Um, and then, how do you keep track of like all these accounts that they have, the resources that they're that they're using, who's doing who's doing development, and which particular cloud um, cloud that's that's out there? Yeah. Um, so it's really just trying to get a handle on all of that, um, and to be able to control it. Um, you know, it's really not to stifle it. You know, because you want to be able to take advantage of all the innovation that's coming from the cloud providers. That's that's a car, That's their key value, um, but it's really um, if you can't control it, then um, you know, then it's going to start controlling you.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, there's efficiencies to be gained from both a, a cost standpoint and a time standpoint. If you if you know that corporate wide, you know, there's a need to use this or to to access this data at this time. I mean, there's there's certainly that need. I, I have a question for you. That's something that you know we used to hear about all the time and I, and I think it's accelerated now at this is do you are, are are these decisions um on the cloud product still being um sort of made or or decided upon by departments within an organization or have you seen a more shift to a corporate wide these decisions with 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 how covid has change things. Or, you know, I think for a long time, I, I guess I'll frame the question. For a long time, there was this idea of like, look, you got to go into the marketing department and sell to the marketing department or sell to the sales department or sell to, you know, because, you know, if you go into corporate IT, it's going to be a nightmare. And they're going to, there's going to be someone there who's going to be a Microsoft, you know, uh, 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 centric user, and he's going to want to, or he or she is going to want to use Microsoft all the time. And they're not going to, is that still the case? Or are we still, is it still on a departmental level? Or has that moved up a little, is it, has that sort of gone up to the corporate level with, with how things have moved, or maybe it's gone the other direction?
2: I think it depends, you know, um, so for example, like uh, like Microsoft, Oracle, and IBM really know the enterprise like really well. That's, you know, they've been in that marketplace for years, so they have those relationships. So those tend to be big contracts, you know, big managed services uh, mm-hmm. contracts. Uh, obviously with IBM, when Azure is, okay, it's doing uh, Office 360, you know, so like mm-hmm. that's usually not, so much of a department that's usually, you know, um, kind of a broader, you know, IT uh, deployment. Um, But with Google and with Amazon where, you know, they've been um, kind of offering a cafeteria approach, right? You know, it's like, you know, just get an open account, use a little bit of this, use a little bit of that, you know, and um, start your development. So they're more kind of infiltrated, you know, scattered. Um, but that's not to say that they also don't, you know, obviously sell to the large, you know, um, into large enterprises. Yeah, uh, yeah. The difficulty, though, is that um, some of the contract negotiations um, with some of the cloud providers are kind of onerous. So it, so there's a long sales cycle, you know, uh, with that. Yeah. So so anyway, I, like I said, I think it's, um, it, it's pretty much um, bimodal, maybe, is the way to think about it. You yeah, know, I think that's like, right. Yeah. You know, depending upon which company. And the only thing that's, I think some of the things that that are becoming interesting is around automation, for example, like um, where you have a lot of uh, business units that are doing their own thing. Uh, A lot of IT departments now are trying to provide uh, kind of guardrails, you know, it's like, okay, great. You want to do automation, you know, for, you know, these kinds of processes, that's all great, Uh, but this is how it all uh, rolls up. You know, and so make sure that their, you know, kind of standards or implementations are distributed uh, down within organizations, so.
0: No, I think that makes sense. Um, I am feel like I'm dominating the whole conversation. John, I don't want to say you got any questions. I got I got a lot of questions.
1: <laughs> you know, you, I, I just was just listening, and it's just fascinating, you know, how your group has come along and, and built this, and you say the guardrail, guardrails, you know, to keep everybody on track, uh, to keep everybody... So your company has really been uh, instrumental in, I said again, kind of standardization or at least collaboration to get to a standard platform that makes sense. That has been proven. That is this is the way to go. And you said earlier about trying to tie some things together, and somebody has to build some code that makes sense to say hey, we got a code for this is what that means, and that must be very difficult. To try to put that in place and. You know how many companies would you have to have uh, probably All of them. a few of the big ones <laughs> yeah, a few of the yeah. big ones that would say we would do that, and then of yeah. course the the smaller ones would follow. Would you agree with that, Nick
2: yeah, I think you know it's um, things always start off small you can 't have like fifty people in a room and try to get something done right you know um, so um so for example, like um, for this um, activity around the automated cloud governance. Um, there'll be a group of companies. Um, so I mentioned, you know, Raytheon Technologies, Cigna, FedEx, Goldman Sachs is involved in that um, in that program now. J.P. Morgan is involved. Um, Kaiser Permanente um, is involved as well. So, and there's probably a few more, but we don't want it to be that much bigger. And then the cloud providers. I think every cloud provider, with the exception of Google, um, is participating as well. So, um, yeah, you know, I think you know. So I think we have if we can't do that with, you know, that group, you know, then, um, then either one or two things, either one is that we didn't do a good job managing the process, you know, or number two is that the thing that I'm a little bit always weary of, concerned about, you know, something that needs to be managed is that everybody comes into these meetings with a kind of competitive posture, you know? Right. And so, um so trying to make sure like that kind of stays in check, um is you know is um is usually how these projects unwind you know if you don't do that
1: so interesting how what you said like you know most of the big players are participating except for google and why do you think that is
2: i don't know um i think you know it's this is really this initiative is all about cloud transparency and uh and not saying like you now google is not transparent it just might be just the way that they try to um do these kinds of projects google Tends to build something internally uh, and then unleashes that opens that up to the world, you know, like and probably the best example of that was Kubernetes. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, but I, you know, I think that was and that was a great contribution uh, that Google made. I think here, you know, frankly, I think they're making a mistake, you know, because like if all the other cloud providers are um, are now coding to these particular um, definitions. Well, those will all be open source, so Google can do that at some uh, later point. But it's gonna—they're gonna be behind, you know. You know, who knows? Six months, which is a long time, like in this industry. And yeah. so, um, I—I I don't know. I think it's probably more about how that they um, uh, participate in industry-wide um, kind of um, efforts. You know, yeah. that is probably restricting them. Yeah.
0: Talk, if we can talk a little bit about, I, I'm conscious of time, but I, I, I do have a question about um, transparency. I think it's one of the things you got, you talked about on your website, and I've read, is the cloud transparency. How, how are are the companies in your organi- in the organization are they are they willing to talk about the cloud services they use, or you you know, because I, I know that some of them would probably view that as a competitive edge over over, you know, Fidelity versus Bank of America versus whatever, Citibank, whatever the case is, you know, they're saying like, look, we're using this technology to help us drive leads, you know, uh, or collect information or um, get the word out or analyze this data. and And it's giving us an edge over you guys. Are they, you know, how much transparency, I guess, is there really, or is there, is there sort of this belief in the common good that, you know, if everybody's doing these things, that it'll be better, you know, a, a sort of a rising, you know, a rising tide, you know, you know lifts all boats kind of approach.
2: Yeah. And, well, um, the line kind of moves around a little bit. And probably the best analogy that I have is that if we look at the kind of the cloud providers, they're kind of like landlords. Right. Um, yeah. And like in, you're basically are a tenant, you know, um, in that, you know, in that building. And um, and so um, everyone will talk about what kind of neighborhood they're living in. Right, you know, based upon kind of the cloud um, uh, products that then services that they're consuming. So, um, so I think there's, um, so talking about particular um, product services that the cloud providers are offering and how they're using them and their experience with them uh, is usually pretty fair game. You know, it's yeah. a, that's usually pretty transparent. We we tend to think in terms of like software building blocks, and so. The way, so talking about the building blocks, um, that's fine. How you are constructing those building blocks to add corporate value, that's usually where the line is, right? Yeah, and so yeah. uh, that's competitive differentiation, you know, okay. uh, right there. And that tends to be, um, you know, uh, kind of secret sauce, um, kind of stuff, because that that really is, if you look at it, you know, it's like, and we, you know, uh, David, you mentioned kind of digital transformation a second ago. Yeah. It's easy to, to talk about the digital transformation effect, right? Because we're all so used to it because of you know our phones and we've been on computing for a long time. It's really hard to deliver it though, right? Uh, and the delivery is really how you put those building blocks together. Um, so that tells you know where the line is.
0: So I know you host an in-person event um, every year, but this year I'm guessing it's going to be digital. It is, yeah. Yeah, and how, do, and how are you feeling about that? Have you, have you attended any other digital sort of digital events this year? And what's your take on that?
2: You know, I have, and uh, actually, I'll, I'll share my view of it. And uh, it, it is it is an honest view, but it's self serving. Um, I, frankly, I think we do better than most. You know, okay. um, we used um, we really we were nervous, we were scared. Uh, not mm-hmm. even just nervous, we were scared because we did our first one in the spring and um so we used a, a company called Hopin now Hopin um they started uh when was it like in october November, or maybe june of like last year you know that just starting you know and uh and all of a sudden we're using them for like 2000 people in february wow. you know? not yeah, february no. in, uh, in may you know so um We didn't know, you know, and we were just like, you know, we talked to a a bunch of the folks who were using the platform and, um, you know, um, we didn't want to do two days of Zoom calls, we wanted to be interactive, we wanted to be immersive, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to have actually uh, give a good experience for the vendors who are sponsoring, um, you know, the meeting, good experience for the speakers, you know, um, and a good experience clearly for those who are consuming uh, the content. And, um, and I think Hopin delivered, um, you know, and so uh, we've got so many really great accolades, just about, there was something um, special that happened um, that I never experienced before. Um, so on the Hopin platform, there's a large kind of um, group uh, event-wide chat, and then there's a concept of the main stage. And um, in the, the main, during the main stage events, the keynotes and so forth, the chat was on fire there was like just so much going back and forth, you know, about the topics that were being talked about um, that there was a point in time when the speakers got distracted because they kept on looking at and reading the (laughs) chat. And then all of a sudden they would bring the chat into the topics, you know, on the main stage. And then, and then that would create another thread, you know, within that. And it was like, I got goosebumps it was it's as interactive
0: it as you could possibly get right i mean you've got conversation going on in the audience and then it's sort of like making its way to the speaker It's that's very cool. all the
1: different mediums coming at you at one time yeah i have that's, to, we'll have to
0: yeah. i have to sync up with you about that hop in afterwards we've been actually looking you know as we're thinking about 2021 you know our in our sales our own stuff that we do we've been trying to figure out what makes sense for our own platform to do these kinds of events so i'd love to pick your brain a little bit more maybe offline about your experience there, but uh, I digress on that. But uh, that's very, that's very. I'm I'm glad to hear you had success, because yeah. the few I have attended have been hard, you know, hard, yeah. to, hard to focus. And um, from a lead gen standpoint, have been nascent. And um, you know, we have another one here that we we' have high hopes for at the beginning of September, that we think is going to be better, um, but that we're sponsoring. But, you know, the few that we have have not been great. So I, I, I'd love to learn a little, little bit more about what you did to make it successful. But well, we can talk about that
2: offline. I know. And David, that's a problem uh, because like what happens is that um, the uh, the vendor community um, has a bad experience with somebody's platform. And then they just think, OK, all of these, you know, virtual events are just like, you know, not worth it um the uh the one thing that you'll get from um you know, not to give a hopping commercial here you know <laughs> but it's like uh the analytics are amazing okay. uh um, so um and it is something that um it, it was a huge surprise surprise and delight we got more data than we would ever have having a live event
0: that's
2: awesome you know so awesome. uh anyway uh I digress. yeah
0: okay. yeah so, uh, I think we're coming up close to the end. I'm conscious of time. John, you want to take it away?
2: Yes, uh, Nick,
1: thank you so much for coming on you're uh, You have obviously been in this industry for a long time, and you probably have helped build some standards that are going to be around for uh longer than my lifetime, maybe not yours. I'm <laughs> an old guy, so you know only got a couple more years left in me. and David oh, John, David's, John. David's,
2: oh, John. <laughs> Come on, you look great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: David is, uh, you know, the smart one on the show, and I'm really here to ask some just really uh, ridiculous questions at the end. That's my talent. That's what I do. Yeah,
2: hear all the the hard questions. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: here here comes the tough one for the day. So if you could own any car, classic, nowadays,
2: whatever you want to call it what car would that be well you know i have to say um, um i think i'm really fortunate because i own two cars that um i would not trade for anything actually i'll trade one of them you know pretty soon but um anyway uh in 2012 i bought my first tesla oh my uh, so model right. s you okay. know and And we've been following Tesla all along because we use Tesla as a good example of digital transformation, right? Uh, Even though they were doing electrification, but digital transformation. Um, Anyway, so uh, I drive a Model S. Um, I love it. You know, it's like there's no other, you know, car that I would want to drive um, on the highway, long distance. You know, it's it's that's phenomenal. I've been driving it for like, what, eight and a half years or so now. That's crazy. You're a very
0: early adopter there.
2: Really? Yeah, thank my son. You know, my son kind of like talked me into it. You know, it's like David. I saw your son. Like, you know, um, yeah. He, in, he so wait, you're gonna like you're gonna be buying stuff because of what he told you. You know?
1: Oh, it's already <laughs> happening, and he's five. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my Nick, I gotta tell you. Let me tell you what mine is, because it's probably just the opposite of the Tesla. Oh, okay. Yeah. A 1970 El Camino. Super sport. Uh, <laughs> so let's burn some, you know, let's <laughs> see footprint. i leave a good fossil footprint. I'm going to just, yeah. But that'd be the kind of car that I'd like to have on a Sunday afternoon. We'll take a ride in it. But, My uh, answer
0: would have been a Tesla too, John. To be honest with you, I would love to. Well, I would love to get it. You I should have
1: gone back and said a, a classic car. Yeah, like maybe you grew up. If you ask you, me
0: that question, John, I don't even know. I know nothing about classic cars. I'd have been like a 1999 Honda Accord. I don't. I don't know.
1: I like the Pacer too. You know, to go with the old Pacer, the old yeah, you know, AMC. Uh, okay i'm really showing my age, okay so. I, do,
2: I, I don't wanna, i don't want to like leave this topic yet because actually it's a really great topic so um there's two other vehicles i love um, zero. one. Good. okay like i want cape cod so a jeep is like you know phenomenal i actually want to get one of the new broncos oh those are awesome looking those look so cool so cool. Right. like a it's just a box you know, yeah. it's like a big box i would i wouldn't want to drive it on the highway you know but just like on the beach you know and yeah. you know just around town but yeah that, so, and
0: and i and i look like the, the, what i was reading is ford's going to make a whole brand around the bronco like like their own like other versions of the bronco like like a, sort of expand that brand uh, cool. uh.
1: well normally then, nick we send a nice gift off for people that are on the podcast but unfortunately the the category that you're in is a little bit higher than we normally do you Baby, can't in a
0: tesla is that what you're saying
1: <laughs> you'd <would> like to <laughs> If david would have to approve the budget so <laughs> that guy it'll be david
0: okay? listen if anybody's if anybody's getting a a, a tesla from star to start, it'll be me first i'm starting next.
2: yeah well actually i think you know the next tesla i get i'm thinking actually a model three you know I think, oh yeah
0: yeah you know,
2: i rather you know like the, the model s is a great car but it's like i'm driving around this big car and i'm the only one in it so i'm also just doing model three you know
0: the last a guy on our, our team has a three and he yeah. and he loves it uh yeah, and Frederick is messaging me that you should get a Cybertruck, but uh, I think you should stay away
2: from the cyber I truck. actually, you know, that it is, but it is so cool, though. You know, it's like Frederick Guy Gray. You know? like,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, it has been a blast having you on. Um, uh, we'd love to have you back. I could talk to you. I feel like I have a million more questions, but um, it's, it's it's really cool. I'd love to learn more about Onig and how we can maybe jump in as well and participate. So. I'll uh, we'll have to follow up and have some, and have some more conversations offline. But uh, thank you
2: so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome, David and John. You, you know, both you guys, thanks so much. Uh, you're more than welcome. First, come to like, uh, come to in May. Uh, I'm sorry, October, October 14th and 15th. At least experience it. And then, you know, then let's talk. Okay. Uh, okay. I think we should do that. So. Thank you very, very much, well,
1: It's been a pleasure. Been
2: well,
0: for, nice. for Heads in the call, I'm David Portnoy. Yeah,
1: and I'm John Ross.
0: And we will see you next time.
2: Thanks for listening, everyone.